2: Thanks for joining me for Blunt Business here on cannabisrio.com. Uh, we're getting a chance to go ahead and speak with one of the speakers that presented at MG Unpacked in New York, in New York City, on a session called Be the Neighbor Everyone Wants." My guest is spent over 25 years of his professional career in public and government service, working for several elected officials, nonprofits, city agencies, where he focuses on strengthening communities by advocating and addressing racial, health, and civic disparities. I'm here with the Head of Corporate and Social Responsibility at Air Wellness, Kari Edwards. Kari, thanks for being on.
1: Thank you for having me. I was really looking forward to this.
2: Absolutely. So you're just outside of the famed New York Midtown Manhattan Hilton, 54th and 6th. I've gone to a lot of conferences there in the last 10 years, or actually more than that. We're going back 16 years, and I love that place. So you're in a great space over there, and I love it. So talking about doing good in your community, that you can do more than help those around you. Now, I know especially what a saying to be in New York City and the market of New York where they're all making some significant changes in terms of social equity. Talk about what you are, are ready to go and present. Obviously, this will be after the fact, but give me a little bit of taste of what the, this session is here to be all about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about this. I think it's um, being a good neighbor was a, a appropriate title for this. Because you know, working for an MSO, sometimes being the big, big bad billing in, in the cannabis community, you know, I think we have an obligation to be a good neighbor, to support those businesses that uplift the community. Um, and one thing that New York has done different than any other state is to make sure that that was a requirement. And so the things I'm going to speak about really was just about how it is and what our responsibility are to community. Not only just social equity applicants, but the overall community, the folks who have been affected by the war on drugs, the folks who have to now deal with the smell of marijuana if they don't want to, you know, are not used to it. The the people who, you know, we have to go into communities and educate on the health benefits of, of cannabis. And so there there's so many different relationships that I'm excited to to address. But I think the biggest thing is really being a sincere partner, being an intentional partner or doing right by those folks, by the people who are affected by the, the either the big MSOs or just cannabis as an industry.
2: Now, with that said, you're seeing it very positively. That, I mean, there are all the MSOs are making their point to appoint positions like yours into the space in that educational front. But along with that, you would hope that some of the education will help for those that want from an entrepreneurial standpoint to be able to go ahead and take advantage of the social equity licensing, the CAUR ds. But there's been a little bit of few obstacles, even though it's all been in place. The implementation's been going on. We're rolling out. We're seeing dispensaries starting to open up. But there's been, from some guests I've talked about, it has been a struggle to go ahead and incorporate with all the permit the permit processing from, you know, say one, having some dispensaries having to open up with a soft opening, then having to go through having an actual inspection of the hard the storefront itself to reopen again so having a bit of a space before so you might have a pop-up then you got to go through inspection soft opening inspection and then the store can actually begin to operate and that's what i've been hearing for those that have been out there trying to go do this but i mean we're seeing more of it going on but to be right now here at the end of april and only the fifth licensed cannabis dispensary has already opened up I mean, it's just it's a bit of a slow process, especially for social
1: equity licensees. What do you say about that? Think about being a small business just in general. You know, you you have to have one to know how to get into small business. You have to have your licenses. You have to have your agreements in place. And the majority of the community, and like I said, I'll, I'll be very blunt about it. The majority of black and brown communities have never had that educational aspect for them right we we don't go to school and learn how to be entrepreneurs it's easy, it's usually through a process of need it's a process of just desire so even though we have the greatest intentions those obstacles those natural obstacles become a place where it's hard for us to get started so when you talk about even with the state of new york not being able to really fully fulfill some of their investments in capital projects Now, now me as a small business owner, how do I go about signing a lease, talking to a landlord? How do I even go through the process of raising money that are not predatory? And so, you know, when we talk about being a good neighbor, it's really an understanding like, you know, a company like mine, you know, one of one of the pillars that I'm very proud of is that we do something called Seeds to Success. And that's by supporting through free accelerator programs, supporting other accelerator programs to help you know, demystify those issues and get folks started on their pathway. But um, it, it's a daunting task. Look, I Personally, I owned a laundromat back in 2001, and I fell into this. Somebody was selling a laundromat, and I was like, hey, you know, I'll buy it. And, you know, I bought it and thought I had to put all my savings into it. And I literally had to work 18 to 20-hour days, and I wasn't used to that. I was a young man hanging out, still wanting to Go to parties and things, and I had to get up every morning and open up this laundromat. And then 9/11 happened, and the business failed because no one wanted to come out for weeks to do their laundry. And so, when you look at the, just the level of stuff that folks have to go through to live out their dreams, it's a real difficult place. So you you hit it right on the head that what you're seeing is nothing. You know, I tell folks cannabis is nothing different than any parts of life. It's just a matter of how do you go about it and, and, and being staying stay the course? Because it's really a rough road. And so
2: at the moment, just to clarify from my stats that I have here, that I'm still able to see that right now there are eight licensed dispensaries of the social equity for part of the New York Social Equity Cannabis Investment Fund. And there are five now in metropolitan New York City proper. Uh, now, with that said, there's been some stories out there where, and the same thing, and you know, I bring this across a lot when we talk about social equity here in the program, especially with New York. There have been stories that have come out about how there are particular companies that are struggling to find banking services. There's a story from Stupid Dope that talks about black-owned cannabis companies struggling to find banking in the space. And then the other part we're seeing is, of course, political always using cannabis as a punching bag because they love to throw hit pieces. But they had a story they put out back in March talking about how. The Cannabis Equity Program is stranding women entrepreneurs because he's talking about the early licensing. After two rounds of licensing, 7% in the first round were women, and women made up 14% of winners in the second. I don't need to go and take my time to go and just try to debunk or try to justify all these things that might happen. Things are just happening as they are. But when you see stories like this, you know, I'm – well, the fact that, you know, it is difficult to kind of police that social equity licensing right now We've seen in other states, it's the same kind of issue, but in New York itself, and you're in New York, talk to me about trying to go ahead and at least manage the right people getting into that fund and being
1: able to go ahead and start their business. I mean, I, I think that again, you you hit on some really deep points, but this is this is like the the issue across the country, not just in cannabis, right? You know, MWBEs, what they call in New York, minority women business enterprises have been given through New York State a 30% carve out because historically m- minorities and women have always been behind, you know, the the eight balls, so to speak, with um, business um, initiatives. And so it's very, it's very difficult to, like I said, change the entire landscape. So when I look at things, how can we crack how can we crack the code a bit? We won't be able to 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 break the entire glass ceilings, but how do we crack it enough that it's easy to penetrate? And and this, again, the statistics that you you read off—they're they're disappointing, and not not disappointing just from a an MSO standpoint, right? Because we need small businesses to succeed, right? We we need, you know, our wholesale market. We want to be able to, and we're not in New York yet. You know, our plan is to be in New York. We we are doing what we feel is is the right solution to get into the New York space. But how do we then now partner with, especially? Women, minority women, veterans, minorities to now say, look, you know, we're producing this flower. We're going to be able to run it in your store. So you're able to kind of pick that level up. I think we have to really be more intentional. Like, I think the state of New York has done a good job creating the intention. But the action plan has to be from the MSO down to the everyday person wanting to get into cannabis. We have to support small businesses. We have to support black businesses. We have to support women businesses. I mean, as we start to improve the the numbers, the sustainability is the question, right? You know, I think New York's going to get to a point where we get these licenses, we get more of these these um, applications in and stuff like that. But then what happens, right? Once you open up your doors, how do we make sure that you're sustainable? How do we make sure you don't fail in, in three years? And so, Again, you know, it comes back to the to the to the, the um, panel I'm speaking on. How do you be a good neighbor? And I think that you know, as MSOs, we really have an obligation to support the entire industry. You know, my, the chairman of my board said, "Look, even if we don't get into New York, we want to make sure New York succeeds because if New York succeeds, yes, everybody succeeds, right? And then, and especially if New York succeeds, they they are going to embarrass everybody else who hasn't put social equity." Who hasn't put people who have been impacted on a war in drugs who haven't you know and when we look at mothers right when when a, when a father's locked up for selling drugs in any other state who's running the household so if a if a if a woman decides that she wants to get into this business to write that ship she should be at the front of the line and i and i think that that's some of the things that we don't look at you know we we all have mothers and mothers have created the the dynamic in which we all were raised why are we doing that more for, for women entrepreneurs who are trying to get that piece of the pie? So um right. it, it's again, it's it's something that like I said that I, I'm looking forward to. It's it's really fun to be in the struggle, um, even though I'm from an MSO standpoint, but it's really fun being in a place where we can push the agenda forward and help help that narrative. Like, you know, again, I'm at MJ Unpack and you know, groups like our Academy, women brands, right? Women own brands and they're all over the third floor the fourth floor but why aren't they more on the third floor right how, how do we create those those mechanisms but um i'm excited and as long as we keep talking about it, as long as i can get on shows like yours and keep pushing it it's, i'm excited
2: well it's always about what i talk about when it comes to this is that everybody has to be able to get a seat at the table and for those that have made it into that seat at the table they need to be able to have somebody that can replace them with that seat at the table And continue to bring people in that are like-minded, that come from the neighborhood, that come from same similar backgrounds and plights to continue to further the cause and to make sure there's always a voice to be heard. Now, I have more questions for our guest, the head of corporate and social responsibility at Air Wellness, Kari Edwards, here on Blunt Business. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Rolling into some sponsors,
2: but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
0: This is the story of the one.
2: I'm joined with the Head of Corporate and Social Responsibility at Air Wellness, Kari Edwards. One of the things I really know that you've been very passionate about, 420 Expungement Event. And your changing Legacy Series, continuing to change people's lives for the better. And you've done a lot of these, especially in New York. And what I said is to help those that have been wrongly incarcerated, wrongly, you know, disenfranchised and, diff- and wrongly oppressed. Talk to me about the success of those programs and how that's worked out and the kind of response you've
1: gotten. Well, I will tell you that it's, that is one of my single most proudest moment in any industry that I've worked in, right? Freeing people and giving people an opportunity is something that I wish everybody does. We pay that forward. And so again, kudos to John Sandelman. He hired me for air. He's not a chairman of our board. When, when he met with me, he said, look, I want to be a force for good. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I do know there's a couple of things that he wanted. He wanted one to make sure that everybody had a fair starting point. Um, and if we if everybody gets a fair starting point, there's a chance for everyone to succeed. And so we sat down and you know not being from the cannabis world, but being from the social justice world, what what's happened to most of our community, white, black, brown, when it comes to cannabis, People have been locked up. People's lives have been changed. Families have been broken. Ecosystems have been destroyed. Communities are now gone. And so, the thing that I looked at was every community that we we were currently working in, and the ones we were looking at. What was the one single issue? People being locked up. People being locked up for for a, a drug that can help you through cancer or or, or help you know with sickle cell. Like it, it's amazing how people have been. You know, families have been destroyed based off of either a PR nightmare or misconception. So what I said is, like, let us invest in our community. Let us open up the opportunities to pay for lawyers, partner with social justice groups and start having folks come in to to remove those records. In New York, they've done a great job. They've automatically expunged um, cannabis records. But in every other state, I would tell you, it is scary. Right. Even some states, some progressive states like Massachusetts, you know, people are still going through this. And so we started this, this thing on Black History Month. And I said, listen, we want to change the legacies of folks who've been affected by the war on cannabis. And we started promoting in, in, in five states that we operate in uh, last February. We did a five state expungement program. It was it was not as, as successful as I would have liked because we re- I didn't realize that, that we still had to build trust that people don't think people do stuff for them for free. So we didn't have the outpouring that we needed in that particular case. But this year it was 10 times better for us. We still did it in all these five states that we operated in. And the the, the outpouring was immense. People came. People said, I heard about you doing this last year. I was scared and I'm coming out. And our 410 expungement event we did in Rochester and Rochester has very um, high unemployment rate, um, very, you know, high not only unemployment rate, but arrest rates over the over cannabis. And even though it's in New York State, there were secondary charges, right? When you really look at it like, yeah, I have a cannabis conviction, but I also have breaking and entering because you want to know something? I was trying to feed my family. Or I have a cannabis conviction and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I get this, you know, grand larceny because I was a kid, I stole a car. And so what we did is we expunged people's records. And to date, my friend, that That Rochester event was the most successful because we had buy-in from State Senator Cooney, State Assemblyman Meeks, the mayor of Rochester, the former mayor of Rochester. We had 200 people show up in a community that maybe is 200,000 in total. 200 people show up and we were able to start and and finish expungements for 175 people. And there was another 50 people that registered while the event was going on. And, and what a gentleman said to me last year will stick with me forever, and I hope it sticks to your listeners. He was like, Mr., thank you so much. And I was like, no, it's my pleasure. He said, no, you have no understanding. He's like, I went from having metal handcuffs to paper handcuffs. Right. And what you did for me is you took those paper handcuffs. I'm able to go get back in public housing. I'm able to be a man to my family. He's like, I felt like I couldn't do anything. He's like, I'm able to even get health care. And he wanted to ro- enroll back in college. So when you look at solving community, it doesn't always mean it has to be a cannabis base. But we're using cannabis. We're using cannabis resources to really heal the ills that were done. Because when you really look at it, it wasn't just you being arrested for cannabis. Your whole family, your whole legacy was destroyed from that.
2: <clears throat> now, I got to ask this question before we wrap up. Uh, Acreage Holdings put out an analysis for the New York Illicit Cannabis Market Absorption Analysis and summarizing, when it comes to a five to seven billion dollar market like New York's supposed to have, uh, at the moment, two hundred eighty conditional cannabis cultivation and processing licenses are being set up. As of January, thirty-six projected dispensaries to open this year. But either which way, with the lack of retail outlets, it's going to still strengthen the illicit market. Which I was in New York City, you know, a little over a month ago, and I saw the market out there and seeing that, you know, the, the buses and all these mobile units that are out there selling cannabis, you know, not through a proper dispensary. Uh, The idea was that the uh, operators would capture $7.2 billion in revenue between 2023 and 2030, a loss of up to 22,600 direct cannabis and ancillary jobs, and over two point six million billion billion in state tax revenue could be lost over the next eight years. So with that said, while you're doing great work with the, the the series Changing Legacies, the expungement of a project you have right now, well, what about those uh, those legacy operators that, in the same way, is there any room for them to get social equity licensing to take them out of this market and to put them into the proper market? Because you know, there's, there's always a talk about how legacy operators, and I can go back to certain organizations that have talked about this, um, We've talked to you on Cannabis Radio, where they talked about while those, the ones that actually played the right way, that they actually were trying to do something where they were actually trying to put out product that were growing it properly. Urban Aroma is one particular example that I we would talk to, and the idea was the legacy operators should also get a chance at those social equity licenses. What do we? What do you say to that?
1: The legacy operators are the reason why this industry is gotten to the point of a billion plus dollar industry, right? right. They, they're much like we spoke about. They are also small business people that do not understand or do haven't gotten the capacity to grow their dreams, Um, no pun intended. I think that when Acreage did that report, it wasn't just about the legacy operators, right? Some of these folks have been operating for decades and it hasn't affected the bottom line. I think the biggest thing is, is that these smoke shops that are popping up, these trucks that you're talking about, they're even hurting the legacy operators, right? I have a friend who's in legacy and he's like, I can't even sell my product anymore because somebody can go into a corner store and get some untested, you know, nobody knows where it came from and get a and a, a dime bag for $6, right? Whereas if I'm selling it for a dime, I'm being undercut. And so I think we have to not group the legacy operators into this because these folks are legacy. They're straight, you know, trying to, they see money, they see opportunity. Correct. They, they're not the ones who are sitting in in, in, a, in a farmhouse or in their basement growing stuff to provide. These are folks who are buying stuff from different states, don't care what the prices and then selling it. And, then, and the worst part about they're opening up by churches, by schools, and because of the proliferation and the, I would say, the, the coolness of cannabis, right? You know, everybody wants, cannabis is like, how like Cadillacs and, and rap music is now. It's, it's That's the thing. So kids are thinking, oh, I'm going to just get high and not understand what that means. I think what we need to do in, in terms of just looking at them is let's do a study about how many people, how many kids are we truly educating on how to smoke or or how many seniors are we, re- how do we create a narrative where the community understands what they're going into? And then those shots will die off. But You know, there are a lot of legacy folks who feel that they've been left out of this. Some of them, you know, couldn't be card applicants because they never got caught, but they want to be so much a part of that. And I think part of the role of MSOs in some cases is like, why don't we bring some of them in as as head of cultivation? Why don't we bring some of them in as head of retail, you know, and, and kind of bring them into the fold and if they want to branch out and learn the business, learn it from the paying taxes, learning from the SOPs and the KPIs and all the good stuff that goes into it, then we we roll out really well prepared entrepreneurs. But I think that we've ignored them in some realms because they're illegal, right? They're 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 the bad guys. And so we're still villainizing folks even though we're saying that we're forgiving them. So I don't want to group them into a lot of these smoke shops because those those folks are Yukari, you're absolutely
2: right. And forgive me for jumping in. But yes, because there is, needs to be a distinction between those that are legacy operators, they're actually growing themselves. They're actually could go ahead and legitimize, be given the chance to legitimize their business. And they'll do, and they'll write by their neighborhoods and by where they live. But of course, of course, I kept seeing the green leaf on all these different head shops are all over the place selling illegally. That's got to get curbed. I know that New York City police and, and New York State is trying to get, and law enforcement in general is trying to go ahead and curb that. I'm joined with the head of corporate and social responsibility at Air Wellness, Kari Edwards, here on Blunt Business, back with final questions after this.
0: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. We're
2: on the home stretch here on Blunt Business. I'm here with the head of corporate and social responsibility at Air Wellness, Kari Edwards. This also ties into the fact that if you want to also give trust to the to the communities and neighborhoods, if they're able to go and see some of these people that were selling before cannabis was adult use legalized in the state and you see them opening up shops and they're given legitimate and they're given the licensing and they're able to go and do that, then that also will further encourage those, even an investment like yours with changing legacies, they'll see, well, look, there's more dispensaries that are opening up with legacy operators And I want to be somebody like them. Like I can see now we see more opportunities out there. Now there's more opportunities and more people will see that the chance of getting those licenses are going to go to them.
1: And and I think that's the fair, fairest and equitable way. And I think a lot of the legacy operators have been banging at the door to do that. Um, And I do think, like I said, it's a responsibility of some of us to mentor these, these young people, right. And say, or not even young, some of them, old, but mentor them in a way to say, listen, Wow, you you've built a 5 million dollar business. Yeah, once you once your taxes hit, you know, it may be a 2 million dollar business, but you know what you're able to do? You're able to get a house, you're able to get a mortgage. You don't have to be in the shadows. And I think those are the things that I would love to see as we as we continue to grow these programs that we bring these folks in because if we really want to talk about helping folks, we we have to help everybody. But again, I give, you know, I give Chris Alexander and OCM a lot of credit because they're taking, a, they're taking an ass whooping. They're taking a beating because they're making sure this thing is rolled out. They may be slow about it, but the reality is they want to make sure it's rolled out right. Because in the end, you know, I tell folks, this is really the last frontier for small businesses, especially minority businesses and women businesses that have a bite of the apple. And if it's done wrong, like you see some stuff happens in Chicago and all these other things, if it's done wrong, then we're back at square one. And, and like I said, from an MSO standpoint, yeah, we, we want to make sure we have a successful market. Like, you know, I think, I think even though you see a lot of the greed or, or the assumed greed in MSO world and stuff, yeah, it, it's possible, right. Then everybody's a great player, but I think for the majority of folks, if we, if we can go out there and support people, then we win because I think most of our, most of our businesses are done on wholesale, right? Like how do we right. get our stuff into a, a minority shop or a woman owned shop so that our product is out there. And, and then these are the things that, you know, it's been really exciting being part of this, this journey, still learning a lot. Um, but again, you know, I, I, I love the fact that I get to speak to communities that may not fully get the hear from somebody from MSO, unless it's something different. And so I thank you for this opportunity today as well. Well said.
2: Now, these are the things I want to make sure that bring up every time we go through this and just say, listen, everybody has to get the seat at the table. And then, you know, there are things that can be done to help open the doors for more of those licensees to come in and be able to go and get the same opportunities and the same benefits. You know, one thing is you talk about, yeah, what the tax money, you might lose money on that. But you know what? That's money that wasn't yours anyway because New York State's going to get their piece. Plus, you're also getting the chance to say, you know what? I'm not going to get shut down again. I'm not going to go ahead and get penalized and lose, you know, and be penalized and maybe even go to jail for it. Like I'm actually going to be able to go and run a legitimate business. How much – I mean, that's more important. And then you can also assure your public that are coming to your stores, they can go ahead and actually know that, listen, you're also playing a part of not being in the illicit market. That's even bigger than anything. But we need more dispensaries out there. The process has been a little bit slow and sluggish, but I know they're working on it. Are you doing great work over there with air wellness? So as we wrap things up, talk to me about, you know, how people can go in and participate. And now, obviously with the expungement events, you've done a lot of them in various states so far. I know I saw you've done it in Massachusetts and in some other markets, but like, if you can real quickly, how people get, how can listeners get a chance to attend one of these 420 expungement events? If there are any that are be coming up down the line, coming up here, and more importantly, how more importantly, how can they go ahead and connect with you?
1: Well, um, I mean, I, I you can find me at a y r w e l l n e s s dot com. That's if you follow us, and and I'm I'm always looking for more followers, right? But if you follow us on Air Social Impact on Instagram, we post a lot about our next all the stuff that we're doing, right? So I'll I'll let your listeners know our next set of expungement events are going to be Juneteenth in New York City, uh, Massachusetts, and I believe Jersey. Uh, We also have one in Jersey this weekend. Um, And then, you know, our website airwellness.com. So those are the best ways to catch up to me. but that I gave you guys my email, email me. um, You know, I, I always respond, especially when it comes to, Partners who, who want to do more, who wanna be included. I'm always looking for partners. It's it's very important to know that we can't do it all alone. And so every community that we're in, we reach out to partners and have great conversations and start to do great stuff. And so I met a lot of great people here at MJ Unpacked who want to do a lot of this social justice work, you know, and, and that's really been part of it. Um but and there's just one thing I wanted to add though. Sure. You sure. know, folks don't really understand why taxes are taken right and so when when someone pays some tax in a community it goes to the social service it goes to the streets in, in terms of this sh- making sure that the the garbage is picked up It goes to social service um stuff it goes to healthcare. so sometimes tax is not a bad thing right i know we right. hate to pay the tax but the tax goes back to the community and it's thing. so that was just my my um government spiel real quick but i think that you know, let's continue to push this fight. Let's continue to support, you know, y- your your podcast, because the reality is the more information people have, we did mystify so many of the things, and I hope to be invited on again soon.
2: Yeah, let's definitely go and keep that door open. And more importantly, you know, we also need to go and hold the policymakers accountable to make sure that they also make sure that money's going to the right places as well. I make that point for myself. Uh, now, for those that want to go ahead and participate in changing legacies, your multi state series of expungement clinics, air wellness, ayrwellness.com slash changing legacies for locations of where it's going to be happening next. And also, I got to put my business hat on. Air wellness is publicly traded. You can find them on the OTC markets under the stock ticker AYRWF. So check them out. Kari Edwards, Director of Corporate Social Responsibility at Air Wellness. Thanks for being on with us during a really busy schedule in New York. I hope you're having a great time with the MGM Pact.
1: Looking forward, yeah. It's, it's been really uh, eye-opening. This is my first one, so I'm excited.
2: And thank you listeners for listening in, as you always do. Of course, remember to go ahead and like, share, and subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe to the show, wherever you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find podcasts. And of course, on CannabisRadio.com and the CannabisRadio.com app. And we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.